Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, a show that used to be about black and white television and how it broke your grandparents' brains. It is now a show about one man's slow descent into madness, and how a supposedly wholesome show can become a vehicle for simmering animosity towards your fellow man. Yes, we are on a steamship traveling deep into the heart of darkness, bearing witness as the inanity of folksy Americana can slowly obliterate a man's soul. I'm your other host, Dan Ludwig. I like how you, even though you're giving the intro, you still describe yourself as the other host. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I know my role. <laughs> I, you know you know where you are. You know, I'm not stepping above also, my station. <laughs> I would also argue that uh, this show has always been about two men's descent into madness. Those men being us. Yeah. Uh, it's just that now the Andy Griffith show has caught up to us and is on our level. Andy, right. Andy Griffith hopped into the back of our car like the hippie in the beginning of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And we're just there out of our minds on mescaline talking about bat country. It's like, welcome to the show, Andy Griffith. Welcome to the motherfucking jungle, dude. Welcome mm. to the party, pal. Yeah. Uh, uh, this this is a turning point in our uh, show because uh, in the episodes we're discussing today, Andy is sick of this shit. There is a, like, you can count the exact moment where Andy decides that he is in hell. And you know what? We're not the only ones who picked up on it. I'll get to it when we talk about it. But the comment section of the Mayberry wikis for this episode is wild. Everyone is, everyone is picking up on on this at this point. But first, first, Mm -hmm. Dan, I want to tell you about something that happened to me recently. Um, So last week, Sarah and I were walking home from a movie theater. And we were walking through Chinatown, and it was hot and sticky and gross. And, you know, about 25-minute walk from there to our house. And we were arguing. It was late. We were having an argument uh, because we're debating about whether we should call a lift. And if we do call a lift, where are we going to call the lift from? And we're both very thirsty. And I said, I know that there's a 7-Eleven up the street. We can deal with that. Maybe we'll call from the 7-Eleven. None of this is important. Mm -hmm. What is important is that we were walking down the street having this discussion. uh, And I said, I think there's a 7-Eleven up here. Let's solve one problem first. And then we can solve the other issue. As I said this, we were walking past a group of 20-something, young 20s, like green-haired, Party kids coming out of the Chinatown bars, getting into a lift, all standing around, waiting for their car. We walk past them, and I get about 10 feet away when I hear one of them say, Let's solve one problem first! (laughs) And just annihilates me. Just nukes me from fucking orbit. Oh, Jesus Christ. Christ, why are you and, here still? Where? Why and, aren't you gone? And I'm not saying that this is related, but I have not been able to maintain an erection since. Mm. I, I, I'm not. It, this hasn't happened. You, you I know, just, dude, I got fucking okay boomered. 
It's so weird. All that they had to do was fucking just say the words back to me that I just said in a in a fucking SpongeBob meme voice. And I was in my work clothes. I was in my dipshit work clothes with a button-down shirt that has little fish on it because I'm the wacky guy at the office. Oh, God! Oh, dude, I fucking, I, I got annihilated. You gotta go get an earring, dude. You you gotta make some changes. I already have two. What are you talking you about? You gotta get another. You gotta get your septum pierced, bro. You gotta go. Cancel got, this okay. podcast and go do some reckless shit. Get another tattoo immediately. I, does anybody dragon. know where I, where I can get some ecstasy? I need to do some ecstasy right now. Yeah, you need to go fight a man. You need to. I think you need to Fight Club. You got to do a Fight Club real fast. I got. I got. Okay, boomered. It really sucks. It really sucks to be at that age where that point where like I have all of the like mockability and just general lameness of a boomer with none of the wealth or mm-hmm. like respect by society. <laughs> like that's just where I'm at. I have I have no power or influence, but you can also make fun of my stupid shirt and my stupid whiny voice. Like, I, just it's I, it's so bad, dude. I I I don't know what to do. So I'm talking about it on my Andy Griffith Show podcast. I I think I, I I think the only thing that you can do in there is you have to turn around and you have to go full on. It will happen to you. You have to go full ghost of Christmas future and just say. I used to do you th- I do you think I wasn't you? I was you. I was more than you. It will come. It comes for us all. There's no escaping it. Enjoy these days while they last. You know, that's that's how I should have handled it. What I did say was just go full on mole you you're saying I should have gone Grandpa Simpson. I went mole man and just kinda leaned forward and said, Oh, I deserved that. Oh, and then no. and then I I started. I mean, they they had already gotten in the car and driven away at that point, right? Like they were gone. I started to sit there and I was I was thinking like, ah, you'll never have a retirement fund, but like, fuck my retirement fund. It's, it's not good yeah. for me either. Like, ah, dude, I just I can't. I'm I'm. So yeah, that's that happened to me, and uh, I'm. I- I'm uh, I'm a weak man. I'm a yeah. broken man. Let's talk about today's episodes. I, 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 I think the comeback would be like, oh, yeah, well, why don't you go give a bunch of money to a YouTuber? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, why don't you go do some cult of personality on Twitch, you fucking nerds? Go fucking play Rainbow Friends about it, bitch. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm sure you're so cool with your fucking Roblox, motherfucker. Do you have Fuck a really you. sweet Minecraft server going? Fuck you. Go play a, go play games with literal children. Yeah. Christ. Uh, yeah. Go get there smoked go. in yeah. Fortnite yeah. by a Filipino eight-year-old. I'm, I'm, I'm saving that for next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta get angry, Marty. You gotta get angry. You gotta come back at them immediately. This is the one thing the boomers have on us, is that they lash out wildly and instantly. You gotta, you gotta get into that mindset. Yeah, I just gotta always be on the defensive. All right. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, here we go again. Um, girls, what's my weakness? Andy fucking Griffith. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time for two episodes. We're doing two episodes of the Andy Griffith Show, uh, that which is what this show is about. 
and as per our rule, we are going to do the more interesting episode first. We are skipping uh, season five, episode 15, because I want to come back to that with a guest. So we are doing episode 16 and 17, 16, Barney Fife Realtor. But let's talk about episode 17. Uh, season five, episode 17. Goober Takes a Car Apart, originally airs January 11th, 1965, written by Bill Idelson and Sam Bobrick, and directed by Peter Baldwin. And these are both Peter Baldwin episodes who we've never seen before. Here's your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. After Andy puts Goober in charge of the courthouse, he dismantles a car and rebuilds it inside the courthouse. Yeah, I mean... A very innocuous show premise, if there ever was one. That that is what happens. Uh, he rebuilds it. He he Goober does in fact take a car apart, and then he rebuilds it, and then he takes it apart again, and then he rebuilds it partially, and then he rebuilds it all the way, and then he takes it apart again. Uh, I yeah. think I think that's the correct order of operations. It, so it, uh, pitching this episode of television, you would say this is a wholesome good time. This sounds yes. like some good old fashioned antics. And I have to say again, this is a funny episode like yes. i yeah straight up i'll say at the beginning this was very funny i really enjoyed it um well no i'm not gonna say i really enjoyed it but there's so much goober there's yeah. so much goober and i hate goober the, so much yeah, yeah. goober but, is becoming a real fucking problem Go- um, goober's being a problem but honestly just the the premise of this is very funny watching andy get madder and madder is very funny I, I legitimately think that this episode is is funny despite its its faults. Um, it, I would say this episode is uh reminiscent of King of the Hill, actually. Yeah, like yes, I it think has so. big time Hank Hill suffering uh Dale Gribble rest rest in pieces nonsense. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so let's let's get into the episode. So it starts off with uh Goober pulling up to the courthouse. Uh, he did some work on the squad car. And he sees that Andy is reading a letter from Barney to excuse the fact that Don Knotts is not in this episode. Uh, off I, I'm sure he was off filming like Toucan Party or something like that. Like he was yeah, just doing yeah. a movie where he like interacts with tropical animals and has a bad time. Yeah, yeah. So that's what he's off doing. We get the we get the common scene of him reading a letter from Raleigh. They don't explicitly say in this one that he's at the YMCA, but I think they say that, like he's staying staying in a home. There's like food downstairs he can get for fifty cents or thirty five cents or something like that. The whole letter is written in Don Knotts's parlance. Like mm-hmm. I like that. It sounds like you can hear his voice reading it, but like Don Knotts's parlance without Don Knotts's delivery is not funny. It's very annoying. Yeah. And also, let's go ahead and, and figure this right. He's up. He's up in Raleigh. He's staying at the Y. It's nonstop gay sex, right? Like that's what he's he's up there for his annual like weird hand job collection. Where like, uh, where where he's up there? I'm gonna say just kind of banging on the wall and being like, "You guys gotta stop fighting so much." Like, <laughs> it's after eight. You it... save your rough housing for daytime. Because he mentions it like like twice in the letter how sexy other like there's some pretty girls here we went and saw a pretty risque movie i'm being very heterosexual up here in raleigh (laughs) staying at the ymca (laughs) having a very straight time we 
He said we went to see a very sexy movie. I forgot about that. Yeah. He's yeah. like, you know, me and a couple of the fellas went down to see one of them their skin flicks. You know, you, you heard about these, Andy? Uh, you're not supposed to jack it in the theater, even though it seems like the thing you should be doing. R.I.P. Pee Wee Herman. R.I.P. Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> He's cranking <laughs> off in heaven. That that is our that is our Pee Wee Herman salute. Yes, that that's our Pee Wee Herman tribute. Uh, fuck Listen, it. The, Paul, Paul Rubens deserves better. Paul Paul Rubens accomplished a lot over his creative career with Pee Wee Herman and, and everything he did. But I think we have to say that in terms of masturbating <laughs> in public, he changed the game. All right, it was a whole different animal before Rubens came along. Like. Like, people were just kind of, like, just doing it. And then he came in and he really, like, he made it his own. He gave it some personality. He's kind of like the Beatles of jerking off in a movie theater. I mean, let's, let's, can we talk about the fact that, like, the the headline is child's, you know, child's movie actor or, you know, children's television star masturbates in public. And everybody's response was, so? Yeah. Right? It was it was a really good example of outrageous headline, and then anyone who looks at the first paragraph goes, fuck you. Fuck this. Yeah, no, it was always like, and they did the same Maybe thing Maybe the first Fred time that Willard. happened. Yeah. Fe- <laughs> they did the same thing with Fred Willard, where it was like, he jerked off in a movie theater. And then in the very first time, it was like, yeah, it was a screening of Debbie Does Dallas. Like, he was in an empty movie theater with three other guys. Like, yeah. The fucking media. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they Railroaded were really- him. They they wanted it because he was a children's TV guy. Yeah, and yeah. It, it was everyone they, was just like, eh. They railroaded him just like in Oppenheimer. They like that's how they did it. They had the whole commission. The DA was grilling <laughs> him. It was played by the same guy. He had to have Lawrence Fishburne come and testify on his behalf. <laughs> just like getting him getting him caught in another thing of like, uh, of like so you weren't jerking off in the movie theater. Why were you seeing the movie? Oh, it was full of sexy ladies? Why would you go see a movie full of sexy ladies if you weren't jerking off? Answer the question, Rubens! Like, he's having, like, flashbacks. He's having flashbacks. He's hearing the stomping of the feet Yeah. Except it's... Just the sound of a bunch of guys cranking off. When you first started that, when you said just like in Oppenheimer, I was like, no, you can't masturbate in Oppenheimer. <laughs> I mean... You cannot masturbate in Oppenheimer. I, I, I thought I was gonna when I was told that Cillian Murphy hangs dong, but, you know, I, I was misled, so... <laughs> evening went very differently than what I expected. Oh, Alright, so, so, so Barney Fife is gone. Right, mm-hmm. which means that someone's got to be the Barney for this episode, and it's Goober. Mm-hmm. All right, so here's the conflict of the episode. Andy has to go away for a couple of days. He has to go away for a day and a half because he has to go to the sheriff's convention in Mount Pilot. And he can't find anybody to run the jailhouse for him. He just needs someone to hang around the jailhouse and answer the phone. No word on what's going to happen if somebody does a crime. Yes. Like, just definitely openly advertise that there's no sheriff. It's not like criminals regularly ramble through your town and try to do heists. Maybe uh, this is a pretty good argument for, I can't believe I'm saying this, more cops in, yeah. this, in this one specific instance. 
I would like there to be more cops. Fund the police, but only in Mayberry, North Carolina. Yeah. Like, there should be at least one other cop because well, it is conceivable that two people might have to leave town at the same time. Well, they've always had a tried and true method for dealing this, which is enlist an illegal militia. Yeah. Um, whenever they've been shorthanded, they've just impromptu deputized the guy who lives behind the gas station and the barber. But now the guy who lived behind the gas station is dying in Vietnam and the barber can't get out of a chair. So they are left with their third option, which is um, Goober Pyle, who I, I, the more we get I, out of him. I hate this guy. The way I would describe him is um, Gomer Pyle. But without any excuses, like he, he, he is, he is, go- and without any redeeming qualities, without any of the yes. likability of, of Gomer Pyle. Like, right? and, 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 by, by the end, we were on Gomer's side. We were team Gomer all the way. Yeah. Goober has none of that. No, it's because it's like, yeah, like you, you and it comes across to the way the characters treat him, where Gomer would do something dumb and inconsiderate. People like. Well, you know, he has a good soul and he's, uh, you know, he's he's kind of like the, the mind of a child. And Goober does the exact same shit. And everybody's like, well, he's just a dumb asshole who's not paying attention to anything we're fucking saying. Like, it's a guy who should know better versus a guy who shouldn't. Yes. Right? And that, that brings me to my first question here. Now Andy is desperate and he needs somebody to take over and he's like looking through the phone book. Uh, but then Goober is set, he offers. In fact, he begs. He wants it so badly. He's like, "I'll do it. I can do it. Please let me take over the over the courthouse. I can answer phone for you. I can do this." Why? Why? Yeah. What does Goober get out of this? Gomer would have made sense because Gomer's like established. He wants to be included. He wants to help. Like he's always there. You know, and Gomer would have made sense. I don't see why Goober wanted this so fucking badly because he has not been shown to be that kind of person. No. So, and and he's also not that kind of person because he's he's unreliable. He does not show up on time. Yeah. Uh, Go- Finally, Andy's like, "Fine, you can answer phones. Jesus Christ, you can come. You can come and do free labor if that's really so what you want so bad. Just make sure you show up on Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning, you're gonna be here Wednesday morning. They do this goes on forever." Gomer promising or Goober promising that he's going to be there. I'll be there. I'm going to be there. Hey, I'll see you Wednesday. I'll be there. Wednesday morning comes. Goober does not show up. Yeah. Um, I mean, so the what follows, I I think we can sort of broadly gloss over, but what follows is um, just a frustrating situation. Real life. Very light on jokes because it's just trying to hammer down uh, plans with an irresponsible person, you know. Yeah. It's just exactly that, which is just um, he uh, he's getting calls to his house. People who can't get a hold of the sheriff's office. He finds Goober. Goober is still at work. He is fixing somebody's car. Um, It's the experience of planning your bachelor party. Yes, pretty much. (laughs) It's pretty eerily like that, which is which might be why I found this especially frustrating today. Yeah. uh... So it's 7 a.m. Andy shows up. Goober is not there. He calls over. He finds Goober back at his actual job, which is repairing uh, stuff over at the filling station. So he's being a mechanic and he's working on Gilly Walker's car. 
We've never seen Gilly Walker before, but he's an asshole. I hope we never see Gilly Walker again, unless he is being dragged underneath that car. By the way, we already had two Walkers on this show. We had Ellie Walker and Fred Walker. Like This happens a lot, and I feel like maybe the Andy Griffith show writers only know, like, ten names. There's not... Mayberry, not known for their ethnic diversity. Um, there's probably only, like, six last names. Um, it's not like they, they have a booming Italian population to, to mix things up. Uh, so, he finds Goober, and he is, like, rebuilding a carburetor. And he basically says, and this is the recurring thing, Gilly Walker wants me to re- to rebuild this car. He says it's making a weird noise. I can't figure it out. I think Gilly Walker drives too fast, and he's abusing this car. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And he says this about five or six times whilst... Uh, and he's saying, I don't care. You're supposed to be somewhere else. And Goober doesn't apologize. He's like, well, I guess I'm a liar. He straight up says, you're going to have to call me a liar on that early part. Yeah. And he says, I'll get over there as soon as uh, I can, as soon as I can, as soon as I can rebuild this carburetor. So Andy goes home. The timeline yeah. by which Andy has to leave is very strange to me. Oh, he's running wildly late. He missed his fucking bus. Except, except when he goes home, he's not even packed. Aunt B, or me, or actually, no, no, he was in the process of packing, and then a lady called and was like, hey, I'm trying to get a hold of the sheriff's office. Why is nobody picking up the phone? So he had to storm out. And there there is a bit bit that I like um, where Andy is packing, and Aunt B comes over and says, I don't think two shirts is enough. Here are three more that I just ironed. And Andy says, I'm only going to be gone a day and a half. Aunt B says, well, you might spill something. And that, that got a chuckle out of me because, yeah, man, for yeah. some reason, anytime you have to pack overnight, you bring half your wardrobe in case you lose motor functions <laughs> at some point in time. In case the context of those two days changes wildly. <laughs> Somebody comes up and be like, we got to go to a five-star restaurant. And I don't want to be like, I only have Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> or... It's it's really more like we gotta we gotta go to a five star restaurant, and then we gotta go to a NASCAR race. Yes, and then the opera, and then mud wrestling. Yes, I, I my my nightmare is you know I, I I'm I'm going to visit some friends in Chicago. I pack a couple of button down shirts. I'm there only there for two days. And then I get there and everybody's like, well, we uh, we're going to do motocross today. Right, guys? That was the plan. We're all going to go do some motocross. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I only have a tasteful blue polo shirt. That's the only thing I got. I'm going to look like a fucking asshole motocrossing. I'm already going to look like an asshole because I don't know how to motocross. And uh, then, yeah, I'm, I'm going to feel foolish. I only brought dress shoes. I should have brought sneakers. Or, Unless, or boots, boots. You think yeah, you, I left I my motocross. I gotta pack the sneakers, the dress shoots, and the boots because I don't know what's appropriate for motocross. I left my motocross boots at home. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna feel like an asshole, so I gotta pack them all. People are like, "Why are you checking a bag to go somewhere for two days?" And I'm like, "Fucking life is unpredictable and chaotic." <laughs> I gotta get another seat on the bus for my motocross helmet. <laughs> I need this portion of the suitcase. For uh, the the realistic portion of this trip, and then the rest of it is for social anxiety. That is what is contained in the rest of the suitcase. 
right. So so Aunt B is is stuffing his uh his suitcase full of shirts, freshly pressed shirts. Uh and then Andy finds out, calls the courthouse and then finds out that uh people still aren't answering it. So he runs down and he finds Goober at the courthouse, but he's outside of the courthouse working on the car. There's a short scene in between there. Goober shows up at Andy's house. It's like, I fixed the thing. And and Andy says, no, fuck off. I'm going to have Aunt B do it. Goober convinces him to give him one more chance. And while he's on his road there, uh, Gilly Walker shows up and is like, hey, man, my car still isn't fixed. So now Goober is on the street outside of the courthouse repairing the car and andy's still furious because he's like hey man you're not answering the phone i can hear the phone ringing right now yeah i need you to be inside the courthouse yeah like and and, uh, basically they do more of the interaction where walker is just yelling at goober they're yelling at each other andy just basically like orders him to be in the courthouse and then leaves so that's like the the halfway act break. I will say, the idea is floated that he just lets Aunt B do it. Yes. Um, and they have a whole thing where he's like, all right, Aunt B, you're going to do it. Opie, you need to step up and be the man of the house. And it's kind of like, this should have been your first idea. Aunt oh. B takes over the jail for a day is actually a great fucking episode. That's great. It's great. We've come close to it before, and it was one of the funniest episodes. We, we did the, the, the prison labor episode where Aunt B rant had some prisoners on home arrest was one of the best episodes of this entire show. So Aunt, Aunt B, B runs the Aunt jail. Amazing. The, the town would be a utopia after a day and a half. However, do you remember the reason why this doesn't happen? Is that Aunt B, in a, in a line that must have choked Francis Bavier to say, says... You know, maybe a man should be at the jail, just in case something happens. Yeah. What? And it's like, in case of a fire or something. What? Yeah. So, yeah. so Aunt B says, no, I shouldn't do it. I, I, a capable woman, can am less good at answering a phone than this absolute fucking moron. This I am disaster less of a human being. This... Idiot man who everyone hates is still better than me, a woman. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, and that's a wrap on Francis Bavier. <laughs> she's not that. She's gone. No more Francis Bavier this episode. Uh, she she uh, she's like, oh, well, that's too much agency for me. Thank you, and I'm off. <laughs> and so Andy leaves, and he comes back to. Uh, the plot of the episode, which is, uh, he walks, he comes back, and there's a group of people surrounding the jail, looking in, ch- chittering amongst themselves. And and he goes in, and Goober, to resolve the situation of having to fix a car and watch the jail, has taken the car apart, put it back together inside the jail, uh, has been fixing it inside the jail. He actually started... By just bringing in the motor. So he did just have the motor in there. And Floyd was watching them work on the motor for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and Gilly Walker insisted that uh, he couldn't hear the noise because he didn't have the full car in there. That car motor was huge. I don't necessarily know that, that was if that was accurate. But that engine was huge. I liked some of the bits there. He had just like a, had a gas can just hanging off of a coat rack. 
which yeah. I thought was very funny. So I like the little like improv Rube Goldberg device there. Floyd is there hanging out in in a chair as per usual. I gotta tell you, man, pervert Floyd is back, and he is the MVP of this episode, my dude. You know what I'm gonna say? I'm really I'm chair Floyd is starting to grow on me because. It, basically, he just is sitting there in every scene, and he's like, I'm having a great time. I'm vibing. I'm loving it. I'm loving what's happening over here. I love what he's doing. I love the energy between everybody. I'm love. This is great for me. Uh, keep going with what you're doing. Oh, you guys doing a joke? Love that joke. I'm Floyd. Like, just chilling. Yeah, actually, <laughs> actually be- this, this episode does produce an image of Floyd that is a minor meme that you might have yeah. seen around the internet. Uh which I will go ahead and drop into our, our Discord. But you've definitely seen this this image float around the internet, and it's definitely going to be our uh, our cover art. For yeah! This. Yeah, right? Yeah! There's an image of Floyd in, in a half-built car going, Oh! And yeah. you've probably seen that before. So we do get, we do get a meme from this. Uh, yeah, Chair Floyd in this episode is uh, amazing, dude. He, yeah. He, he goes on this thing. First off, so Andy walks in, and this this bit is it's so funny having him walk in, see a car in a place that a car is not supposed to be, walk slowly around the car, like just this this image is very funny. This set piece is very funny, and, like, and we should call out that this is the point where Andy is pulsating rage, <laughs> like he is glowing red, like a boss that is low on health. And we're at um, the fifteen minute mark. Yeah. He is the angriest he has ever been in this fucking show. Hands down. And to make him angrier, Floyd is in the chair with a half a chubby just talking about how amazing this was. Just, oh, it was beautiful to see, Andy. I loved watching it work. I've never seen a man work so fast before. It was really a beautiful thing. He keeps talking about how beautiful it was. It was so beautiful. It was really, really amazing to watch a man work like that. And Andy says, okay, man, you need to take this out. You need to take this apart and build it outside now. And Floyd, oh, I can't wait to see that. You're going to want to see it too, Andy. It's a beautiful thing. Andy. So so I'm going to say this. Pervert Floyd is back, baby. Pervert Floyd is back. And he is. Pervert Floyd is back. He is. He is back. His lust is uncontained. He's just aroused by human ingenuity. He's, he's just like he's now he realized that seeing... he's turned he's turned on by cars like David Cronenberg's crash. <laughs> he is he is no he's aroused by the triumph of the human spirit. <laughs> That's better. He's, That's better. It's he's like doing one of Doctor Who's speeches about how incredible humanity is while just cranking it. <laughs> like this, this, humans, you give you put them in a situation and they'll find a way to accomplish anything. Oh my. Oh my god, the moon landing is coming up, and he is going to, like, explode. <laughs> it is it is going to be an avalanche. Whatever chair Floyd is sitting in during the moon landing, you just throw it out, man. It's no good anymore. They're gonna have to call FEMA on what he does. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> yeah, Andy is pulsing with rage. I will say... This is, in fact, 
very impressive. It's really cool that Goober could do this. Yeah, um, right. Which sort of makes it worse. Because Gomer was a sad weirdo who lived behind a gas station and pumped gas. Goober is a very accomplished mechanic who has a vocation that he is very skilled in and truly has no excuse to be pulling any of this shit. Like, I honestly, I would like this better if it was Gomer that did it because then Gomer would have like some sort of weird savant talent. Yes. Right? I think I think that would be amazing. But yeah, no, this is just this man is capable. He has a job. He has a skill that he is well practiced in. He's just a guy. He's just, yeah. if he was your mechanic, if your mechanic asked to work at your job for a day and then fucked everything up, you would also be this pissed. Which Andy Andy's kind of vibe is like, listen. I'm full up on dipshits. You understand? I'm not taking applications for another one of you fucking morons, all right? I'm full. I'm not tolerating this from a new guy, all right? It's it's Barney Fife. It was Gomer. It's kind of Floyd again. It's, um, I, you, you're not, no entry. We are I'm not done. taking solicitations for morons anymore in my life. Here all is right. your resume back. Andy insists that, like, he's like, hey, man, you better go do that right. You better get rid of this right now. Get rid of this right now. A phone call comes in. He's got to go to Mrs. Whoever's house for reasons. He's like, okay, I'm going to go take care of this thing on the other side of town. When I get back, this thing better be, like, you better have this halfway done. This better be, like, out. And then he says, or I will shoot you. Yes. He says, says, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to yell at you, and when I'm done yelling, I'm going to get one of these guns, and I'm going to shoot you. Yes. He grabs Goober and backs him up against the wall for this. There is, and there is no, you you might, if you haven't seen the episode, you might think he was saying it in one of the Andy Griffith jokey ways of like, oh, well, you know, I'll uh, I'll get a gun and I'll shoot you. Yeah, kind of, uh, no, kind of the same, same way that he jokes about beating his kid, right? And when he's yes. like, yeah, you know what? Well, might have to take him back behind the woodshed and give him a whooping if that's a problem. Yeah. No, um, no. He assaults Goober. Yes. He threatens to murder a man. It is ice cold serious. No laugh track. There might have been a laugh track. It didn't feel like there was one. Um, Like, if, if there was a laugh track, it was uncomfortable laughter. <laughs> Like, it, he threatens to kill a guy. Um, uh, get I, I, into I, I, whether I, I or wanna, not that's justified. Yeah, no, I mean, I, he might be. Uh, I do want to mention something here because it sets it up for the next joke, uh, which is, uh, like, even the, the other part of this is that Andy gives direct instructions and then Goober immediately ignores them, which is not a thing. Yeah. Gomer, Gomer would get the instructions wrong. Goober yes. ignores them. For example, Go- Andy says, do not start that engine in here. And then the phone rings, and then Goober immediately starts the engine. Yeah. Right? He says, he says, I have to start the engine so that Gilly knows that it's fixed. And Andy says, don't you dare start that fucking engine. Goober starts the engine, and then Andy can't do his phone call because Goober's got the engine going. Which, he walks over. And, and, and the entire time, Gilly is in the room calling everybody a piece of shit. Yes. Just be like, you didn't fix my car enough. Fuck you. Fuck you. This car should be better. This car should be outside. I should be driving it away right now. I don't drive too fast. Just 
yelling the entire time. And the highlight, what this builds to, is Go- Goober says finally, Okay, do you think it's fixed now? And Gilly says, I'm gonna sell it. Yeah. I'm sick of this car. I'm gonna sell it. So the next scene, when uh, Andy comes back, the car is now halfway built. It's now down to the chassis. And Floyd is sitting in the half-built car in the driver's seat, having a great time. And yeah. Andy comes in, and he's like, what is going on? Floyd, why are you in that car? And Floyd says, Andy, I think I might buy this car. And it's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's so, so good. It's so goddamn funny. He's just, he's just imagining himself out on the road. <laughs> Which, it, it, and, and how angry Andy is amplifies how funny everything is by 10. It is so much better for him to not be like, you beat everything, you know that, or, well, you know, that dog don't hunt. Instead, he's like, fuck you, fuck all this, I hate each and every one of you, and it makes it so much better. It's if, so much funnier. If, 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 if Andy is the Hank Hill of this episode, uh, Floyd is the Bill Dotrieve. Yes, one hundred percent. I'm gonna buy this. This I'm gonna buy this car, Hank. I can't do a bill. No, not even close. No, no one can do a bill. I don't even know what impression you backed into, but it was something. Right. Cookie Monster? We don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and Barney is Dale Gribble. Um, Opie's Boomhauer? I don't I think, know. It, it breaks that, down think, after a certain point. I, th- I think that would make Gillis right. That would make Gilly Walker Boomhauer in this. Yeah, I'd say that. I'd say that. Dang, I'll take it as car, man. Gonna, gonna dang, sell it. Take, take it down to the lot and go sell it. See what I can get for it, man. I ain't driving too fast. Trade. You know, dang old cop ain't never coming. No, not driving too fast. So we've we've been we've been comparing this show to King of the Hill since the very beginning. This is the closest it has ever been. This is the it most is, overlap it has ever had. It is on the fucking edge of if this, if this show was better this would be a king of the hill episode all all i really need is for opie to walk in and just like give a bobby hill okay and yeah and it would be perfect so uh, so andy so then stakes are established because as this all is happening um two guys from the sheriff's association decide they're going to come and andy explicitly says you need to get this car out of here before I am the laughing stock of the state. Tell the listeners, okay, we lied earlier. We lied. It was not rap on Francis Bavier. She gets one more scene. So yeah. we're gonna tell the listeners what happens, uh, which is that this I mean, how how Andy shows up. So Andy like is like, get this car the fuck out. It's it's halfway built. He leaves, he's like, I'm going home. This better be fucking gone when I when I come back tomorrow. He goes home early. Ampy is like, Why are you home early? And Andy straight up says, I am sick of this. I am sick of Goober. I am sick of everything. I am sick of all of it. I am so fucking done. And, and he's like, I heard a weird story. And he's like, it's fucking true. <laughs> the thing you heard is true. Yeah, it's true. And it's my life. <laughs> I have to deal with it. Please don't bring it up. Fuck this. And he, he goes like... He's absolutely about to just like drink bourbon in the shower when the phone rings. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and the phone rings, and uh, I'm sorry, no, no, phone, sorry. He's absolutely about to go drink bourbon in the shower when Aunt B tells him that there was a phone call earlier from uh, 
the president of the Sheriff's Association. So Sheriff Jackson, who is the sheriff of Siler City, head of the Sheriff's Association, and his deputy Joe, they are going to come by and uh, they're on their way back from the sheriff's convention where Andy was. Remember that plot point? Yeah. Uh, They were on their way back from this and they're going to stop by and just hang out for a little bit. So Andy runs back to the courthouse and he finds the car fully built again. Yeah. It is now just closer to the door. That is all that that Uber did. He halfway built it, and then he built it back up close to the door. Why? Because Floyd couldn't make up his mind if he wanted to buy it or not. It's fantastic. So, he is freaking the fuck out. And he tries to rip the car door off with his bare hands. (laughs) Goober has to remind him to use a wrench, because he is, like, yanking on the door panel with his bare hands. It's so good. Oh, God. Yeah, he's just like... Andy Griffith does not make a single fucking joke over the course of this episode. He is just a normal human man in a trapped in a sitcom. Like, a sitcom is happening around him as he's just like, Please, somebody help me! Send help if anybody is out there! <laughs> this isn't fun anymore! Help me! like so as this is happening the two other the two cops who are visiting come in they look at the car and there is a moment of pregnant silence as andy just stands there looking at them they look at the car they look at him they look down (laughs) they look at goober they look at the car they look at him and like Andy's soul is breaking in this moment. He's like, I'm done. I'm finally done. This is over. Um, and uh, they go, this is pretty cool. So uh, you're doing this to illustrate driving safety because Gomer says some shit about like, well, it's in here because he drove too fast and it fucked up the car. And so they're like, oh, so you put this in here as like an exhibit to show yeah. the dangers of irresponsible driving. That's good. It's like an interactive thing. It's like the police touch museum. <laughs> I get it's, it's, it. It's, it's, a, it's like a scared straight thing or uh, or one of those. Yeah. Uh, my high school did a thing. I, they did it before I was there, but I saw videos of it where they did like a drunk driving like thing. And they mothers against drunk driving. Yeah. They they killed a member of my uh, a person in my school. They like had a grim reaper come and just like, what would you do if Cliff Bozeman, it's a guy I just named, made up, uh, was died in a drunk driving accident. They showed like a, they had like a, a tow truck bring in a wrecked car and put it on the quad of my school and everything. And uh, they like acted like like my this guy died in a. It was like a scared straight thing for drunk driving. So that's what. So that's that's what Andy manages to convince is happening. Or really, that's really what they assume is happening. Because Andy doesn't manage... He doesn't do one of his Andy Griffith cons anymore. He just goes to his old uh, his old toolbox, which is lying. And in this yeah. case, he doesn't have to try very hard to lie. Because they just assume that this is an exhibit like that. Except it doesn't really work for that purpose. Because the... Uh, the outside of a car does not show the re- the damages of reckless driving. 
Unless you beat yeah. that car up, unless there's like wreckage or things or scratches or whatever, but this car is fine. So it's not a very good exhibit. And I don't know why these cops assume that it's an exhibit, but they do. And they're like, yeah, this is a good idea. What if we did one? Goober, could you set one up in here? And Goober's like, I could build a car in a building if you wanted me to, I guess. This is apparently yeah. a skill I have. These fish really jump into the boat for him. They kind of lie to themselves, like sort of a denial thing. <laughs> Maybe it's like it's like how when a human being like sees something completely irrational, their brain has to rationalize it in some way. And Andy makes a face like like Nicolas Cage at the end of Bad Lieutenant Protocol New Orleans, like when he realizes that every he's going to get away with all of it. He's like, yeah. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, let's get out of here. Let's not look at this car that's in my building anymore. And uh, okay, let's let's go. And they just walk around. Stinger, the stinger, the stinger. Maybe one of the most important (laughs) scenes in the history of the show. Uh, So Andy comes back and he says, you are going to take this car apart right now. And I'm going to watch you do it. And uh, he goes very slowly, very deliberately, to the gun shelf, and he picks up a shotgun, and he sits down in his chair, and he just puts his feet up on the desk, and he just watches Goober while holding a shotgun in his lap, and just stares. And then the episode is over, and Goober looks afraid. I cannot stress how slowly and deliberately this is, because the scene does not open inside of the courthouse. The scene ends with... Them saying, all right, bye, other sheriff. All right, have a good day. All right. And and Goober thinks he's safe. Goober thinks, all right, everybody's happy. And Andy, smiling, hey, Goober, let's go inside. And then he does the thing that Dan just described. He lures him in. And so, yeah, Andy pulls a gun on a man yeah. in this episode. And I have to wonder, why was this the point? Like, yes, this is bad and it was stressful. And it inconvenienced you for several days. Uh, But ultimately, you came out looking great for it. And so, really no harm, no foul. Barney Fife has destroyed your life. Barney Fife has ruined multiple relationships with women for you. Yeah. Why is this the point that gets you to get the gun out? Why was this the moment? I I think it's like a straw that broke the camel's back thing. Like, I think it was just like, I I think it was just a moment of like, it, it's never going to end. Like, it's just going to go on and on forever. And there's nothing I can do. Barney is gone. There's nobody here. It's just me. And just a new idiot has risen up to take his place. And this is going to be my life forever. He's con- I- he's contemplating turning that rifle around and using it on himself. Yes. He's absolutely thinking about it. Like, and this has been a recurring theme through this entire season. As we've noted before, for a couple of episodes now, Andy's getting less and less interested in being here. He, a yeah. couple of episodes was just like, I'm ready to fucking move. I'm ready to move out. In the next episode we're going to do, he's at least wants to move to a different house because mm-hmm. he's so, he's, this is him going through a midlife crisis, but also in hell, in hell. Yes, it is. It is so like, 
the way Andy has been playing this season, previously he was, was it the whole last season where he was Xanaxed out and didn't yes. really give a shit about anything? He was on yeah. some weird, like, Buddhist monk shit. This, Andy is in constant pain. He has no patience for anything happening around him. He is done. He is calling Barney on his shit. He is telling people to fuck off and leave him alone. He is talking to his girlfriend about how horrible everybody around him is. He wants to fucking move. Now he has pulled a gun on a guy. He's pulled a gun on a member of the public who is not committing a crime. Yes. (laughs) It is not a crime to build a car indoors. (laughs) He is, he pulls a gun on a guy to force him to do labor (laughs) at gunpoint. Um, how justified that is, how how much I would be at the point of taking out a shotgun, hard to say. Yeah, um, I can't even give him Barney meter points for that, because I don't feel bad about it. No, I'm going to say we should give him Barney meter points. I'm going to say, I'm going to say we should give, give Barney meter points to the one where a cop pulls a gun on a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, now. Yeah, okay, yes, yes, you're correct, you're correct. Yes. It, in concept, you're correct. Yes. In just, practice, though, I don't know. In real, real, real letter of the sick- law, theory of the law, spirit of the law kind of shit here. If ever, yes, it, it is taking my, my firm belief that cops shouldn't pull guns on unarmed civilians and force them to do several hours of manual labor at gunpoint. It is taking that ironclad belief and really pushing it to its extreme. Just really like the ultimate test of like, are you sure you believe that, Dan? Are you fucking sure? No exceptions to that rule. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to have to stick to it. I I see I, you're making some valid arguments, but I'm going to have to stick to this this rule. So uh, like, I, like I said, we're not the only ones who have picked up on this. Uh, yeah. So I'm looking at at the comments from the Mayberry Wiki, uh, where uh, one there's a, a short thread where one uh, anonymous fandom user. These are all a fandom user because none of these people know how to fucking sign up or make themselves give themselves screen names. Uh, of course, fandom is also a terrible website that you cannot use. And... I did not know you could get screen names on fandom. Yeah, you can have accounts. Deranged. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a wiki, right? People have to have wiki accounts to build right. the wiki pages. Uh, so. Uh, February 6, 2020. With Don Knotts' absence and Goober's expanded role, this seems like an episode from the color seasons. I never cared for the ending when Andy held the gun on Goober. You have to assume it wasn't loaded. I would not assume that. But no. it seemed out of character. I, You are making assumptions that I would not make, fandom user. Couple months later, somebody says, I thought that too. Andy seems cranky by this series, time in the series. Short and unhappy. Why? Couple months later. Griffith and Knotts made an agreement together when the series began that they would do the show for five years. Andy wanted to keep the show going, and Knotts had other commitments to do. That's why he went off the show. Uh, Almost a year later, yep, it seems like Andy was not enjoying his character and the show by by, by this point. He should not be pointing a gun at Goober. It feels like he's upset with the departure of Barney. So they so they're they're doing our bit. They're reading more shit into it. They're like, "Oh, he's mad. He's mad at Don Knotts. He's mad at Don Knotts and he's taking it out. Andy Griffith the actor is mad at Andy at Don Knotts the actor and they're taking it out uh, vicariously on the character of Goober Pyle. 
Which I mean, you know what? I I, I I've not maybe right. Like yeah, they might be onto something. I mean, how how long can you stare at the same at this situation before you start to come to the conclusion that we have of these people suck and Andy is in hell? Like like we're watching it all in rapid uh right in rapid succession these people have to write it and they definitely are, are having like like i imagine you just have to get into the headspace of this character when writing the show and be like yeah he'd be done <laughs> he'd be so over it and you also have to remember as soon as the show ends andy griffith was like i am going to play as many fucking villain roles as i can as quickly as possible he's like i just want to play psychopaths yeah just i give get me it i get what fucking doing. psycho like a uh, uh, guy who uh, tries to bang a hippie and murders a bunch of people, give it to me all over it. Uh, weird desert pervert, gimme, gimme. Uh, lynch guy, love it, love it. Put it in my, put it in my docket. It's all on board. So he's, I think he's also like as an as an actor and a creative, starting to go insane. I think he's losing it, like as, as having to play this guy forever except according to this source he's the one who wants the show to keep going or somebody does don Knotts is gone the show's gonna go for another three years so maybe he's like maybe, maybe cbs has given him a shitload of money they're giving him a so much fucking money the cbs he's like, is he's giving talking him a to ton don Knotts, and he's like is like this sucks man i agree that this sucks but cbs just like just dropped gold bars from a helicopter on my house and this is apparently CBS's modus operandi to this day, right? He's like Jason Siegel at the end of How I Met Your Mother. Like, uh, or really everybody from How I Met Your Mother, but especially Jason Siegel, who's just like, I, I'm so done with this. But yes. you keep giving me money, so. Okay, so, Dan, before I close this, this page, I have to read to you my favorite wiki comment for this entire, this entire show. Uh, from June 15, 2016. These season five episodes are not that good. Not much enjoyable. Could you please improve it by making more episodes of the show? <laughs> <laughs> season five, episode 33 and 34, 35, 6. Please add more. <laughs> what year was this? 2016. What, what, do you, what do you think, Dan? Definitely... What do you think? Do you think this was a comment from 1964? That I was going to... <laughs> I needed to confirm that Andy Griffith, the actor, wasn't still alive, and he was asking post-Matlock Andy Griffith to wheel his ass out of bed and make more Andy Griffith episodes. And, and, Just... and the, the, the moderator, the moderator of the Mayberry Wiki reads this as if they are being asked to make more wiki pages. Because he said, that's a lot of work and time. I'm the only one doing this. I'll do my best. But didn't catch that what the what the poster was asking was for more episodes specifically of season five. Like episodes 34, 35, and 36. Because there are only 33 episodes. No, the comment was asking you to make more episodes of season five of the Andy Griffith Show. I mean, who amongst us has not been so drunk that you yell at your TV for more episodes of Supernatural. Like, who who can throw that stone where you 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 are just blackout on a Thursday uh, and you're like, 
I don't want It's Always Sunny to be out of episodes. Make more, please. <laughs> no, no, but... It would, Siri! It would, it would be more like if I, if I, like... If I, like, posted to Twitter, Matt Groening, please make more episodes of season six of The Simpsons. Don't tag him. Specifically, don't tag him. Five. I just want more season six episodes. Yes. What you are like, currently doing is not working. Please make more uh, episodes from 1994. Thank you. I am not a crackpot. It's it's kind of like if you said, "Hey, Macroning, season uh, the Simpsons really went off the rails after season 11. Can we rewind, get a mulligan?" And just start from that save point. And just go and just keep doing the good, but more. I mean, now you're kind of getting into, like, comic book rules. So, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the great thing about comic books, is you could just be like, oh, all that, that ten years, that was bullshit. That just didn't happen. It would not be the worst retcon we've ever seen in, in TV history. Uh, so... Uh, that's, that's basically it for this episode. Ratings. Andy meter, 10. 10. No, I, yeah, 10. A 9. 10. Not 9, 9. It's I, not, it's, like. It's, it's funny. It's also so annoying. It's so infuriating and so funny at the same time. We, so, we just yeah. talked about the second half of the episode, which is great. And we forgot that the first half sucks. The shit. first half is so annoying. So eight. I'm talking myself down to an eight. The first, the first half, I was like, "This sucks," and I, I hate this. And then, yeah, you, you messaged it, me halfway through, and I was like, "Keep going." Yes, it the everything from the car being inside on is a ten. Everything before that is a five. So I'm gonna split the difference and say it's an eight. An eight. Yeah, I mean that would be a seven point of five. You round it up to an eight. I'm gonna do. Yeah. I'm gonna do an eight point five. I think that's fair. Um, Barney meter on this one. Yes, yes, I do have. You're right. We do have to give it points because it, it a, a cop does pull a gun on a man and force him to do manual labor, and it and, is and like specific. cool and good and fine. And that and that's like the that's the end credits. Like that's the tagline for it. Uh, specifically the no guns cop the picture of ethical non-violent policing pulls a gun on a guy and is like this is fine all right this is cool and everybody should be chill with it so uh, i would say in terms of psychic damage i have to give it points but i'm not going above a five I'd say a five. I'd say it did five points of psychic damage. I'm I'm gonna I'll go up to four point nine, but I cannot break myself to go to break that five barrier. Why are you doing pawn stars with me right now? Like <laughs> I can't I can't go higher. I can't give you more but, than that. Cool, Matt. You can give it a four if you want. I'm not <laughs> I'll get anything out of this. I'm gonna say a five. I'm just trying to make the spreadsheet interesting, honestly. <laughs> So four point nine for me, four point nine nine APR with oh, okay with financing. I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do an even five. Okay. Um. Yeah, that, that was pretty bad. Um. Even though, again, in any other circumstance, if he was not a cop, I would be like, "That is fine." Yes, one hundred percent. Zero if he was not a police officer. Uh. So right. you, do you, we're we're at an hour. Do you want to just do the second one like real fast? 
Yeah, let's let's do the second one real fast. I think. Okay, I think we, I think we can crank out this this other one. Uh, season five, episode sixteen, Barney Fife Realtor, same director. Uh, originally airs January fourth, nineteen sixty five. Peter Baldwin directed, written by Bill Idelson and Sam Bobrick, so same writers, same team on this one. Barney decides to sell real estate as his second job and tries to get Andy to sell his house. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so this one's fine. Um It's it basically goes around one joke, but it's a good it's a good joke. Uh Yeah. There's it it's actually it's actually pretty good. Um We'd probably discuss it more in depth if we hadn't just done that. Andy and Barney are hanging out in the jail, and Barney reveals that he has been moonlighting as a realtor. Um, he uh, and he immediately has a very complex—I call it a real estate scheme—going where he has like kind of a combo chain of four houses where he's selling the other house to each into each person. He's, he's so, doing like, a fantasy football trade. Yes. Like, he's got a six way house sale going and, and he just keeps like adding on, uh, adding on houses to the sale. Um, and, and listeners, and racking, listeners, listeners, you might be confused. He's doing an air juggle. You might be confused right now because you're like, wait, Barney Fife sells houses now? And the answer is yes, apparently. Yeah. Because yeah. Barney Barney Fife talked to a real estate agent, found out that the real estate agent was making bank, and then said, I can sell houses now and get commission for selling houses. Did you did you need a real estate license in nineteen sixty four? I looked no. up I looked up a bunch of other stuff about this. I didn't look that up. Apparently you could just do that yeah you didn't need to be a licensed person for this and you he's, you, he's trying to sell commission and he's got like four different houses he's i'm gonna take the sims out of this house and put them in the, in the willard's house oh now they come up with fucking names if if i it, it was the 1960s i could go out to my car slap a sign that says dan's heart surgery on the side of the car and run a business out of it like, they didn't give a shit. You didn't need a license for Jack. And and his takeaway is he talks to a real estate agent and he's like, the real estate agent is so fucking lazy and just smokes a cigar in his house and drives his shitty car out to people's houses and makes a shitload of money. And I think I could do that better. And the answer is like, kinda? Yeah, he comes Like, close. he's actually, he's, he's pretty good at it until- He's not terrible like, at it. It's kind of an Icarus thing. He just kind of flies too close to the sun. He get he just tries to do too much too fast. But like, he could have done it if he quit his job. He probably could have been a pretty good real estate guy. Yeah, I mean, he he could have he could have figured it out. Honestly, he's not terrible at it. He if he had stuck with it, he would have been okay. Why? Because honestly, a lot a lot of what you need to be a real estate agent is stuff that Barney is really good at. You need to exaggerate wildly you know you need to be a sociopath yeah that's right. a big boost uh i this this episode resonated with me a lot because sarah and i have been looking at buying houses lately so i've been talking to a lot of realtors and uh yeah a lot of it is kind of this chain deal like you you ask you know why why does this person sell 
uh, their house and what are they doing? And they're like, oh, they're moving over to here. And these people are taking this, this job over here. And you, you get a lot of this information. But also, uh, you know, real estate agents are are nuts. Some of them will be really helpful to you. And some of them will like, you know, I don't know, here's a fucking house. Can you afford it? I don't give a shit. Um, yeah. It's it's wild. Anyway, so he so Barney's got this plot going, and he talks to Andy, and he's uh, pitches him on a house that is that Andy's been looking at for a while. It's like the Williams's house. I don't think it's the actual name, but uh, actually, uh, yeah, the Williams house. I was right. So Barney thinks that he can get Andy in the Williams house for a whopping three grand. Uh, because he thinks that if they sold Andy's house, they could get for twenty four thousand uh, dollars, and the Williams house is worth twenty seven fifty. So just go to the bank and get a mortgage for that for that three grand difference. Real quick, uh, Andy's house is worth. I, I know you. I know you did so, some calculations, so, but all right. So he says that he can buy the house that he's always had his eye on. Uh, the one by the highway with a bunch of really nice trees, big house, for $3,500. Yes. Um, this aired in 1965. Yes. Um, in uh, current uh, current currency, that would be $34,292. So, because, yeah, you initially saw 3500 and you're like, oh, man, inflation. But then you factor in inflation and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, um, thirty six grand. Yeah. So for comparison, I went on to Zillow in Mount Pilot, the town that this is based off of, and uh, guess what happens when you try to uh, if if you set your search parameters for under five hundred thousand dollars, your search results go from eighty to four. Um, one of them is a uh three bed two bath. For th- uh, four hundred and thirty-nine thousand dollars, another is a four-bed, two-bath, one-story for two thousand four hundred and ninety. Uh, yeah, sorry, for two thousand and two hundred, uh, two hundred forty-nine thousand dollars. Sorry, blanked out. Um, another for uh four hundred and four thousand dollars. Um, it keeps going on the. Least I could find was two thousand four hundred and nine dollars for a three bedroom, two bath. Two hundred forty nine thousand so, dollars. Jesus Christ, I'm losing my mind. Um, so I mean, I mean, uh, here's the thing, though, right? That's actually not as far off as I as I thought because you're missing one key piece of data. Uh, assuming that Barney's right and you can get twenty seven fifty for uh for the Williams house. Oh, actually, hang on, twenty four thousand. I was looking at the Williams house. So assuming that Barney's right and you can get twenty four thousand for Andy's house, that would give Andy's house a value of two hundred and thirty two thousand nine hundred seven dollars today. So two hundred thirty three thousand for Andy's house. It's not bad, even if you do gotta like put in a new roof. Andy goes home and he sees Opie uh, on the porch with his friend, and he's trying to swindle his friend. Uh, he's trying to sell his bike to Howie. Uh, and he is not revealing all the shit that is wrong with the bike, that the bi- that the brake doesn't work and the chain is coming apart and all this stuff. And Andy comes in and just blows up Opie's scam. Andy comes in and is yeah. like, "Hey, man! By the way, I should say this is this is a preaching episode. This is a this is an Andy Griffith moral episode 
one observation I will make, we don't get that many for for as much as this show is touted as being like the the way to live show by its fans, I don't think we get that many moral episodes. We get like so, two or four episodes, uh, like two to four episodes a season, I think, are just like a clear morality thing. I'm not saying I want it to be preacher, but I am saying I expected it to be. Okay, so um, I want to jump ahead to the moral. So um, later, and we'll, we'll get to it, but later uh, people are viewing Andy's house and Opie reveals all the stuff that Andy wasn't going to tell them about how shitty their house is. Correct. Um. And Andy has a conversation with him about it, and Opie is like, but you said I couldn't lie about my bike. And Andy is like, well, bikes are bikes and houses are houses. And it, Opie says, so kids can't lie, but adults can. And Andy just goes, and walks away. And fucking <laughs> Andy makes a pretty good case for, yeah, Everybody lies about what their house is like. It's just kind of what the housing market is. It's something you have to fucking deal with because you're also going to get ripped off by the person you buy your house from. It's just the reality. And and, and Opie is like, so we, so I'm going to apply child morality to that. And Andy's like, well, I can't beat child morality. And it's kind of like, like, is the takeaway everybody should have would be like, well, I need to be more honest when selling my house and sell it for hundreds of thousands of dollars less than it's worth. Well, no, like, the, the, the takeaway is that legally you have to do a seller's disclosure. Yes. There are there are laws that say that you have to disclose problems with the house uh, that did not exist at that time. And I and I went. Yeah. So this is what I did. The research I did. It was like, oh. OK. North Carolina real estate disclosure laws. And I was trying to figure out, okay, this is chapter 47E of the North Carolina legislature, the the Residential Property Disclosure Act. And I was like, okay, well, when did this pass? And I admit my Google foo is not great, but the earliest reference I can find to the Residential Property Disclosure Act is 1995. Our Discord is about to pop off with research. Um... Uh, yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. So, it's sort of that Barney is running a very unethical real estate scheme. Um, but also, yeah, there was no regulation There was on no this regulation. Subject. And I thought we'd get, reg- I was like, okay, there's no regulation, but it's 1965. There's no regulation. There's, we must get regulation in the 70s or 80s or something. 1995! So... Andy's, Andy's... I'm sorry, are you rebuttal. not as fucking bl- mind-blown by that number as I am? And it's pretty fucking bleak. Mm. Like, that's why Andy's response to uh, to Opie should have been like, Listen to me, boy. We are living under the horrors of capitalism. It is just brutality and lies out here. I am sheltering it from you. I'm sheltering you from it for as long as I possibly can, but it is a brutal hellscape of lack of regulation out there, and there is nothing I can do. Do you want a bigger yard or not? There, The government is not coming to help. There is no, it is lawless out here. Look at Barney. That's our savior. That is how bleak it is, boy. Do you understand? I wanted to protect you, but you must understand now. The uh, the, the 
the first impetus of this is uh that Andy and Aunt B and Opie are just hanging out at home, and then Barney calls like, "Hey, I'm I'm bringing this I'm bringing the Sims over right now. Like they're coming over right now. They want to look at your house. Can you come over right now and see them?" Which, by the way, again, a thing you were not legally allowed to do anymore. Um, yeah. You have to give 24 hours notice to any person in residence. Uh, but so he brings them into their house, uh, into the Taylor household. They say hello. And we get another, we get treated to a scene that was very clearly ad-libbed while they were waiting for uh, Peter Baldwin to say cut. Because they're all just kind of standing around like, well, how was the drive over? My name is Jessica. Is everybody happy? Oh, the house sure is clean. Like, they just kind of stutter around for a couple of minutes. It's very weird. I am yelling cut. I'm yelling cut at my TV. Uh, It's so strange. Well, they play out how awkward this situation would actually be, which is unbelievably. Yeah. Uh, Barney is just running around like he just discovered cocaine. Um, which, I mean, he is getting into the real estate scene. That's true. That's true. He probably yeah. did just discover it. Uh, God, again, this, I, fucking Barney, Barney Fife real estate should have been a spinoff. Jesus, I would have watched he that. would just be so much better than this show. Oh my God. Like, if I just watched a, a, a spinoff where Barney Fife just goes around with crazy schemes trying to sell houses to people, I would watch at least three seasons of that. I, literally. Barney Fife, uh, cop is one of my is one of my least favorite characters of all time. Barney Fife, real estate agent, is one of my favorite characters of all time. <laughs> Be so good. It's incredible what a change of authority level <laughs> can do for my enjoyment of the same character. It would also help explain how he becomes a landlord ten years later in Three's Company. Yes, a homophobic. Absolutely. I guess he wasn't a homophobic landlord. No, he becomes. No, no, I think he, he was, was a Puritan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I I can't speak on whether or not that character was homophobic and le- until we eventually do our Three's Company spinoff. Yeah, uh, Two's Company. Obviously, uh, yeah. So, so I mean that that's a whole scene. They kind of wander around and and Opie like blows up Andy's spot and is just like, yeah, you can't see the crack in the ceiling anymore. Yeah, Pop, the whole the didn't the roof leak a whole bunch last time? And Andy's like, all right, motherfucker, I see what you're doing. Okay. Despite all of this, somehow the Sims are still interested. The Sims come back to Andy's house the next day and they are like, and they say something like, all right, we're still interested. The The house is, is still fine. We're ready to take it and we're going to take it at your asking price because we're morons. Which, yes. by the way, basic house buying 101 is if you discover something that's wrong with the house and now, now you have state mandated inspections. You put that in the closing cost. You add. You just change the price. Like, hey man, I'll buy this, but you gotta you gotta knock ten thousand off so that I can get new fern- new appliances or whatever, you know, or so I can fix the roof. That's just basic house buying. The but fact the fact that this is ha- save the whole thing by just negotiating that into the deal. The fact that this is apparently how houses went in the sixties. This is what you should be mad about. Is how easy this process was. All right. Yes. Like they're sitting in Andy's living room and they're like, yeah, we're ready to buy it. And Andy goes, hold on a second. Where the fuck am I going to live? Because we have not actually talked to the Williamses yet. And Barney's like, go, go now. Go talk to the Williamses. Go check it out. Go to the Williams. So next scene is Barney or is Andy hanging out at the Williamses house on their couch. Uh, and then 
<clears throat> you know, they're, they're ready to close the deal on that. Uh, Andy has to go to the bank at some point in time, I just realized. Uh, but yeah, irrelevant, because uh, the... The Williams' son is Howie, the boy who got ripped off for the bike or was about to get ripped off. And he just happens to reveal, and or Howie, Howie's dad, you, Mr. She, Williams. It, Mr. Williams. Howie showing up kind of implies that there's about to be like a karmic thing, like Andy's karmic uh, payment of preventing Howie from being conned is going to pay off. But no, Howie's just a dipshit. Um, who is like, I was playing in the foot of water in the basement. I was playing with a boat. It was pretty awesome. Just how he's just a stupid kid that doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut. Um, I thought it was going to be like, you know what, Sheriff, you helped me out. I'm going to help you out. Don't buy this piece of shit house. Um, right. You think that how he was going to pull, do the thing that Ronnie Howard was doing last scene. No, Howie's just like, yeah, man, there's a there's a foot of water there, and also the furnace is very clearly not working. I think you're definitely going to have to buy another furnace. Okay, going to go play in, in sewage water again. Bye. Yeah. So a couple of thoughts I here. I sure do love my E. coli, Pop. A <laughs> couple of thoughts here. Yeah, number one, water in the basement is not bathtub water. Do Get your kid the fuck out of there. Uh, and yeah. number two... Uh, was Andy about to buy a house without looking at the fucking basement? What the fuck? Yeah. And the guy was about to try to sell him a house that was literally had a foot of water in the basement. That guy's a piece of shit. I mean, he's a piece of shit, but man, if Andy's is dumb enough to sign that deal without looking downstairs? Yeah. <laughs> like, has he ever been in that house? He's only ever seen that house from the highway before. He has no fucking idea. All these people are morons. They're so dumb. And if this was how, how fucking house buying went in the 60s, I just, I, I I don't understand it. And I wish that all of you people had, had lost everything in 2008. I Yeah. Uh, like, so fucking house buying now is you have to, like, be absolutely surgical with the way that you evaluate the house you're looking at. And they were just walking around like, I don't know, it looks good. Put them at, like, like write it down. I'll take it. Fucking whatever. Uh, I mean, the fucking, the, the, the fucking Philadelphia Inquirer ran a big, like, in expose last week about, like, licensing and expe- inspection people who are somehow connected to the people who are selling the house. So they give, like, faulty inspections and don't report certain things. Like, this is, this is the hell that we live in. Anyway, Andy's like, all right, man, you know what? I'll make a deal. How about you stay in your fucking house and I stay in my fucking house? And uh, we fix our shit, and uh, goodnight. Yeah. And so, you know, Andy or Barney doesn't get his money. Nothing happens at the end of this episode. Barney becomes a used car salesman. Yeah. That's the big stinger. Barney was basically says, your kid cost me $3,000. Um, because of, because he, my entire real estate scheme blew up because of him. To which I would say, like, well, that was a pretty shitty scheme, my dude. Like, also, you couldn't, like, get different houses for these people? Like, you got them in the boat after one phone call. They clearly were very motivated buyers. Just find a different goddamn house. Can I, can I, can I, can I try something here? <clears throat> Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers <laughs> and closers only. You think I'm fucking with you? I am not fucking with you. 
I am here from downtown. I am here from Mitch and Murray, and I'm on a mission of mercy. Your name is Levine? You call yourself a salesman, you son of a bitch? Fuck you, that's my name. You know why, mister? You drove a Hyundai to get here. I drove an $80,000 red BMW that's parked right outside. That's my name. <laughs> get them to sign on the line which is dotted. You hear me? A, B, C. Always Barney closing. What a time for your Barney Fife impression to come in. Like, it it crystallized at the exact moment. I'm very proud of you. It's pretty good. Oh, man. All right, we done? I think we got... I, think, that, I, I really... We're not going to follow that. We're not, we're, not, we're not doing better than this. Uh, I, I got nothing else on this. Ratings for this episode, Barney Meter, or Andy Meter... It's fine. I thought it was chuckle worthy. I'm gonna give it a six. Yeah. Seven. It, it, I'm gonna give it a six. It trucks. I really appreciate that. It is there is no fat on this thing. Yes. It is just. It, it is. It moves. Yes. Um. Yeah. Six. And. Andy, Barney, Bar- meter, Barney meter. I mean. It, it doesn't do anything wrong, but it did make me furious about how apparently real estate sales went in the '60s. I guess. Yeah. I guess, like, if you want to read really, really into it, uh, the ultimate moral is Andy saying, hey, we're in hell. Nothing will ever get better. I'm lying because I was lied to. You're going to grow up to lie. And that's just how things are done. And nothing will ever get changed. It's kind of dark and pretty fucking bleak if you think about it. But that's really doing a lot of reading. So. But, I mean, it's kind of not morally wrong it's not morally wrong it's it's morally it's kind of in the right it's just a state of despair it's just kind of like hey we're all living in a capitalist hell um rather than trying to be good people or make our lives better basically the only way to make our lives better is to be bad people so i guess we should just be resigned to our lot in life Um, if if anything i think we should take some hope from this because things did get better it apparently yeah. took 30 years, but they did get a, a seller's disclosure law in North Carolina. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry is where you can find all of our bonus materials and all the extended and deleted scenes and other stuff that we do sometimes. Uh, we are still this time this month giving our uh, our post proceeds to striking WGA and SAG workers. So now is a very, very good time. For you to get involved and to sign up for our Patreon, $8 a month gets you access to our Discord and everything. Um, we're probably... We have a couple of really good bonus episodes come up that Marty does not know about and is going to hate. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. You know, you, know, you know that we're off the social media, so please tell your friend. I do have a Blue Sky invite code, so maybe we'll have Blue Sky at, you know, Breaking Mayberry's Blue Sky at this point, but I don't know. I'm so tired of the whole thing. I hate posting. We'll probably get a threads or something. We're not. Know. We're not doing threads. We're not doing threads. Okay, good. Uh, fuck yeah. that. Uh, Breaking Mayberry endorses escaping. Get off of Twitter or X or whatever. But take to the woods. Flee. But but also bring a, a device capable of downloading our podcast. Tell your friends about our podcast. That's it for us. We'll see you all down at the fishing hole. Boom, 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 boom,
Boom.